Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast from your host, Todd Atkins. And I'm re-recording my intro because I sang and I don't want to sing. And I'm here today with Daniel Lynn. Hello, hello. It's good to be back with and, you, Todd. Oh, what? It's good to be back. It's always good to have you back. And uh, our listeners are now quite used to you being on again. And so you'll have to come on, I don't know, a month from now just to make sure it's not too long. Good we'll times. do a book breakdown or something. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, we're diving back into questions that are really lies that we believe. And so uh, you wrote a new book. Uh, you are oh, you, you are what you do and six other lies uh, about work, life, and love. Um, and so the final chapter is really all about the lie that you believe about your past. So I want to talk about that. I mean, I think all of us um, probably at some point in time, uh, if you're in ministry, whether that is, hey, I'm all in and I am uh, a lay leader and I am regularly serving at my church, or it is I'm all in as a staff person and uh, I'm serving at my church. Either In either case, there's probably a point in time, and maybe it still occurs, where you feel like uh, you have the devil on your shoulder mm. and he is saying, who are you? What makes you think that you can stand up here and do this? Or what makes you think you can say this leadership principle or lead anyone effectively? Don't you remember mm. and fill in the blank? And I can tell you a number of years, uh, that was a struggle for me, especially as a younger pastor, uh, because I was a pastor's kid and uh, I was the poster child pastor's kid. And so I worked a lot on my testimony there for a while. Uh, and, you know, so you have that thing that's thrown up at you and all he's doing is, is looking to make you uh, less effective. But talk a little bit about um, about this lie, because I know it's it's more complicated than that. But talk a little bit about that lie. Yeah, you nailed it on the head there. There's, I mean... Just the whole right, aspect cool. of Let's close in prayer. <laughs> just the whole aspect of imposter syndrome is another thing that we can get into, and and how much just the our past and our sense of self and inadequacy can so often come up and prevent us from wholeheartedly following after God. And and I mean, even if you look at Joshua one nine, right? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even that verse, it's like the enemy can so come in like, you know, standing on your shoulder and be like, Hey, but what about this? And there's no way you can do that and completely sap out the courage and the faith that we have in God. But the reason, um, going back to your question, the last chapter of my book is all about the lie that you are your past is because, I mean, the past is, I mean, it's, it's a part of us, right? I mean, we can't, necessarily fully compartmentalize all of that out and, and just completely forget what's happened in the past. There's no men in black, you know, memory eraser <laughs> thing as, as, as much as I, I guess there's been lots of times I've wished that that did exist after doing things that I've regretted. Uh, but the interesting thing about the past is that it's actually not just about the things that you've done. The past is also about the things that others have done to you. So reflecting on both, 
Uh, mm. What you've done and what others have done to you is going to help you assess the extent to which the past affects your present. So moving on from that, let's get into our first question. How do you deal with, you know, past regrets? Because you mentioned the pain, but there's also a, a little bit, and I want you to unpack that, but there's also these regrets. Maybe it's things that it's not that what we've done is something we didn't do. Oh, that is another part of it, isn't it? Uh, what we haven't done, um, those regrets. And, and the biggest thing, I guess, would be to name them, to name what they are. Sometimes when they lie underneath the surface and we're kind of aware of them and they, they're kind of back there that we try to, if, if it comes up, we try to forget. And I mean, anytime it does that and we just kind of try to push it down, it's like, it's like uh, if you ever remember going to the, beach with your kids and you have a beach ball and you're in the water and you're trying to push it down. Right. And you, and you just kind of keep it down and, and it's hard enough to put it underneath the surface of the water. And, and the larger the, the beach ball is, the harder it is. And, and you kind of try to keep it pushed down and uh, it's hard to hold it for a really long time because it's just, it just wants to pop back up. And that's how it is with our regrets. If we don't name them, if we don't recognize what they are, if we don't bring them to the surface and just say, Hey, this is what happened this is how it affected me, then it's just going to lie underneath the surface. But I mean, think about the, the amount of energy and effort that it's going to take to keep it underneath the surface, right? Even if you were to, even if you're massively strong and able to hold it down with one hand and use the other hand for whatever, the amount of coordination that you'd have to have to keep that beach ball under the water, that's how it's like when we don't deal with our regrets and we don't deal with our pain and we just keep on pushing it underneath the surface. That is funny because I, not not beach balls, but like, you know, kickball size ball. Yeah. Um, I can remember one of my kids, you know, pushing it down because uh, I could push it down and stand on it. Yeah. And, you know, nothing. It would just like, you know, kind of pop up. Mm -hmm. They push it down and try to stand on it and they can hold it down for a minute. But when that thing comes up, man, oh, it's an uppercut. It is. And it hits them in the chin <laughs> or it makes them flip over. And, and honestly, it's a great illustration because that's what happens when we try to push down our regrets and bury them. And they all of a sudden come to the surface without us wanting them to and without us really recognizing. So, so the biggest thing is we need to name them. We need to figure what that is. And uh, here are a few questions that I wrote in the book just to reflect on. Uh, what is one of your favorite experiences in life? What's an accomplishment that you're proud of? What are you ashamed of? What is a regret you have in life? And which word best captures the essence of your Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter profile? Uh, the reason I ask those questions, it's funny because these things um, are actually they reflect on what you have done and based on, let's say you're proud of the things that you've done, then you can actually, I mean, you can place your identity in that. It's the past. It's what's been done and you can place that and you can try to maybe lift yourself up via that. But if you're ashamed of some of that stuff, it's, it's the past still affects you. And, and those are rather the things that you're trying to push down. But let's, let's ask those same questions, but on the flip side, uh, because those first questions were all about the things you've done and how the past has affected you. But the following questions are all about the things that others have done to you. So what's a memorable experience that someone did with you in your childhood? How did others encourage you after you accomplished something? When would others withhold love from you? 
while growing up, who or what were you afraid of and which word best captures the essence of your childhood? Do you see how those questions then actually from the positive or the negative can actually then dictate behavior and the way that we live today? Right, right. So I would say, is this meant to be, um, is it meant to be uh, just for me that I'm, you know, answering these questions and kind of journaling on it? Or is it meant to be for me, is it both and me, and then I'm processing this with somebody? And if so, who should I process it with? Yeah, this is definitely, I think at this, at this point, uh, an individual exercise, something that you can process through and just, just so that you can bring that beach ball up to the surface, just so that you can name the thing that you've been pushing down. And that's why, honestly, I find counseling so helpful. And if you're listening in and you've never gotten counseling, it's something I would highly recommend because there's a lot of stuff, especially if you're a pastor and church leader, uh, there's a lot of junk that we experience and a lot of pain and other people's pain and regrets and other things that that we have to deal with because we're with people. We're in the business of working with broken human beings. So it's just, it's inevitable that it's going to affect us. And that's just present, right? I mean, just think about all the ways that um, our, our childhood, whether you are reflecting back on your childhood and you're like, no, but it was perfect. Well, but how so? And how did your parents parent you? What did they praise you for? How were you encouraged what, what did you do and you were not encouraged for? I mean, all of that stuff. So we just need to initially right. bring that to the surface so that we can say, okay, how now do we move forward? And am I, what I'm doing right now, is it because it's a reaction? It's a reaction to something in the past that I'm trying to deal with? Or am I living the way that I'm li- living right now? Am I parenting the way? Am I, am I ministering? Am I leading the way that I'm leading Um, out of freedom, out of intentionality, rather than just out of, you know, you're playing the tapes in your head from the past. Mm, That's really good, man. Okay. So, uh, well, okay. In the, in that chapter, you're also talking about um, how this lie can either disable or destroy your future leadership. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, a a lot of this came up from reflecting on my time in Korea. Um, And I honestly, before I wrote this book, I've been really reticent to talk about my time in Korea just because there was so much pain from leaving there. I mean, the ministry was growing. It was fruitful. It was, I mean, it was two of the best year, two of some of the most exciting ministry years of my life with Christina. And then it just came down crashing crashing down. And and this book actually, <laughs> this line particularly is one that I'd struggled with and I was trying to wrestle with. And I was like, well, how did that, how has that experience, um, how has that affected me? How has it still affected me? And I went to counseling after that and, and it's been rounds and rounds and rounds of processing and praying and releasing and trying to figure out um, just was it a mistake to go in the first place or how could I have done things differently or, or, or what, what kind of regrets and pain am I still holding on to? And as I reflect on all of that, I was like, man, if, if we don't deal with our past, right, if we don't deal with our past and we, and we, and we live our lives based off of our past, this can actually either disable or destroy our future. On the one hand, it can disable our future for finding ourselves wanting to relive the glory days. 
right? Todd, do you ever hang out with um, or connect with friends back from high school or back from when you grow up? And I mean, you're just, no. oh, you don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I remember it's just like when I, when I would do that, it's interesting because the only thing that you talk about is the past. And yeah, I guess you don't have as many present moments and memories right now, but I, I just find that you're, you're just, you're constantly talking about the past and the quote unquote glory days. And we know people who do this, uh, maybe not personally, maybe personally on Facebook or Instagram. And, and they're always going like hashtag throwback Thursday or TBT. Right. And, and they're posting pictures of themselves when they were skinnier or stronger or more popular in high school or college. And, and, and it's just, they're constantly going back to those days constantly, right? You know, when people do that, I mean, they are living in the past and the past is dictating their future and their present because they believe their best days are behind you. So that's on the one hand, how the lie can disable your future because you're not, you're not wanting to go in the future because you're just living in that past. Right. The fumes of the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of the time I just don't want to like, don't get me wrong. I had a good time, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that was glory days. Uh, they're probably, there are things I would never want my children to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still, I bet I could still uh, go back home and, and run into a person or two that'd be like, oh man, I haven't seen you since high school. Uh, I heard, you know what? I heard something hilarious. I heard that you were a pastor. <laughs> that happened quite often uh, when huh. I, like shortly after. Yeah. Um, I, you know, got into ministry. So yes, that's something that I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those Abercrombie and Fitch days and they're oh, just, <laughs> let's not even. All right. So, uh, <laughs> let's move on well, to different questions well, here. Okay. But that's the first half, right? That's the disabling side. Uh, but yeah, the past talk about destroying your future. Yeah. Luckily there was not interwebs, uh, for some of these moments. I mean, oh my goodness. Talk about, I'm okay, so, so happy Instagram didn't exist about, back then. <laughs> What? I'm so happy Instagram did not exist back then. No, for real. Yeah. So because uh, uh, the younger generation is now living in a time where they're documenting mm. things that could potentially destroy their their future. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting now is, you know, talk about, um, talk about that element of you talked about disabling talk about destroying. Yeah. The disabling side, I guess is might be a little bit harmless. And if you're on that side, it's your future is full of hope, I guess, uh, in the sense that you don't have as much to deal with. It's more about a trajectory and, and what you're looking forward to rather than what you're looking back from. However, the lie also has the potential to destroy your future because this is all about bitterness and unresolved hurt, right? So if you are, if you haven't gone to counseling or if you haven't released that, or if you haven't done, um, that, that hard work of dealing with the past and, and maybe people who have hurt you or, or those you have hurt, and you've just kind of scratched those people off the list, <laughs> you know, you have that hit list and you're like, I will never talk to you again, or, or a modern day you're blocking them on Facebook or muting them, or you're just whatever. If that's your way of dealing with these individuals who have so hurt you from the past, then this really does have 
the potential to destroy your future because you're going to find yourself repeating it over and over and over again. And, and we see that most apt uh, in individuals who go from one relationship to another uh, and, and it, they constantly repeat the same mistakes and they're, and they're blaming the people that they have broken up with or they're blaming the employers that they are leaving or they're blaming the whoever and realizing or, or thinking that it's all about them when it's actually their own junk, uh, our own personal junk that keeps on coming up because it's unresolved stuff from the past. So that's why it's so important with this lie that you are your past, which I honestly, I think, I don't know anyone that's exempt from this in some sense or fashion. It's so important that we first name the things that have so affected us and how the past is still affecting us today so that we can move into the future. That's really good, man. Um, Not to sound really cheesy, but uh, like <laughs> the, the, the image that popped into my head was, you know, when you said, write it down, it's like, okay, the beach ball is up on the surface. I'm going to take a Sharpie mm. and just write all that stuff down. I mean, the, the interesting thing, um, about what the process that you just went through when you talked about those questions, I mean, in my head and probably in the head of listeners, uh, they started to go ahead and answer, even though there was only like two seconds between each one yeah, or not even two seconds. I immediately had flashes mm. like, okay, here's the word. Yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. Here's what I remember my dad praising me for was work. Mm. I mean, that was like, you did a good job. You did good work. And, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, my, uh, I, I, I would consider myself fairly healthy. Um, but we all know, we've all listened to my episode with Steve Cockrum, um, mm. uh, about, and if you haven't, it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> and you still have to go to the UK, man. I know. Yeah, I'm going to keep you accountable uh, friends will be like, Hey, did you ever go to London? Yeah. No. Uh, so it is that idea of, you know, hard, hard work mm. was definitely, uh, ingrained into me. And so that was just another reminder of that uh, as an example. Um, and I'm sure listeners have had that flash into their head. So I would say definitely look at that list of questions. And I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's really, really, really insightful. Mm. So on this podcast, we equip our listeners with the absolute best resources to help their churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue or perhaps a new one that you own, I would encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so that you can launch strong, be reproductive, and thrive in your community. For over 25 years, they've partnered with church planters and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, and effective portable church solutions so that you and your team can stay focused on the thing that really matters, and that's building disciples. If you want to see what this looks like, visit portablechurch.com slash lifeway. All right. Um, we've been talking about uh, the gig economy, you know, so uh, how does... How does this whole lie of the past, how does that fit in with that? Like, what does that have, what does this have to do with that? 
Mm. Yeah, it, it all kind of goes back to the notion of compartmentalization. So I remember while reading the book, uh, it was fascinating how many times, because I have a Google alert set up for for a gig economy and how I would right. I would continually, or, or not even continually, occasionally see compartmentalization coming up in that list. And I'd see like, hey, 11 successful women on how they compartmentalize or another article like five steps of compartmentalization, the secret behind successful entrepreneurs or, or how productive people compartmentalize to get the most done, right? Um, or even I saw one that was like, hey, here is here are the six secrets to your survival in the gig economy. And one of the six was compartmentalization, right? So I it, it makes sense that compartmentalization is one of the things because the gig economy, uh, for those who missed uh, one of the previous episodes, right? I mean, it's you're being you're self-employed in a part-time or full-time capacity, getting paid for your time, skills, possessions, or expertise. So um, basically, if you are in the gig economy, you have multiple things going on. So uh, a lot of this modern day psychology that they'll say, self-help psychology that they're going to say is, hey, so compartmentalize so you can keep things separate then you can batch work, increase productivity, such and such and such, right? So all, with all that said, all, all that said, I, I came across this Cornell, um, this article, this study actually published in, a, in one of the Cornell University's peer-reviewed journals. And the, the researchers in the study was fascinating. They wanted to investigate the long-term effects of simultaneously working multiple jobs, Okay, so in other words, the effects, the long-term effects of being in the gig economy and their findings were sobering because they they did this for five years. They gathered data for five years and they discovered that people with multiple work identities struggle with being, feeling, and seeming authentic both to their contextualized work roles and to their broader work selves. In other words, working multiple jobs, as they found in the study, made the subjects feel like imposters. In at least one of their jobs, they'd feel like they didn't belong and weren't qualified for the job that one day they were going to be found out, right? So imposters, that runs it all the way back to the notion of imposter syndrome. And believe it or not, that came from 1978, 1978, it was uh, researchers from Georgia State University. They were studying high achieving women, high achieving women. And that's how they came up with the notion of imposter syndrome. Now, imagine, you know, saying to those researchers in 1978, hey, uh, guess what? 40 years later, both men and women are going to be struggling with this thing you call imposter syndrome because the way that work is being done is changing. I mean, just just imagine what their reaction would have been. But that's the thing, right? That's the thing. In the gig economy, there's this notion of um, the imposter syndrome is going to increase. There's a sense of inadequacy and and how am I going to do this or how am I going to keep things separated? So that's that's how all of that mess comes together. Well, imposter, imposter syndrome feeds back into you are what you experience yes. and some of the other things that we've talked about too from social media and everything else. Um, it only exacerbates that issue. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of, uh, I mean, I would guess most of our listeners and most leaders at some point in time uh, during the course of a given week feel like an imposter to, cert- to a certain degree. Not not a complete and total posture, but, oh, um, people don't, if people only knew, mm. 
uh, and then kind of fill in that blank. It's, I think it's a struggle that we all have that, that self doubt. And it's probably good to a certain extent, as long as it is tied to our identity in Christ. Yeah. If it's not tied to our identity in Christ, it turns into a very toxic thing. (laughs) Yeah, because on the flip side, if you don't have it in some sense, uh, you might be a complete narcissist. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's what happens with yeah. a lot of leaders. Yeah, seriously, we, you know, if your identity isn't in Christ, it's going to flip one way or the other, man. Mm, mm. It's going to flip one way or the other, and I think the higher you go in leadership, the harder it is to continue to do. Yeah, yeah. What's What's interesting about us moving back here to Edmonton? is with my new position and, and the succession that process that we're under, uh, underway in and, and just the, the influence of the church that I'm a part of. And just, I mean, there's just so much about this where, uh, honestly, I am so grateful that we have friends here who knew us before friends that we've now been friends with for maybe close to 10 years that knew us before whatever position. And, you know, before, I, I was writing or podcasting or anything like that. They just knew me as, Hey, here's right. Daniel, right? <laughs> here's Daniel who just came back from Korea and he's kind of messed up, but Hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll love him for who he is and he'll figure it out. Right. Uh, you, you know, we have friends like that in our city, in our place that, um, that get us, that get us and, and we can just be completely ourselves with. Right. So, so that's, that's the neat thing about that. Um, a, a, a cool thing that recently I've been processing through. Very cool. All right. Um, let's get into, I think we, let's do a, one more question. Um, what's your advice for leaders who, who have, you know, loose ends and need to get some of these things tied up? So, you know, everybody that reads this would say, hey, here's, here's my top two. Mm. Here's the ones, here's my top two lies that I struggle with. Um, as a person or as a leader, how would you, how would you have them tie up some loose ends? Yeah, the grip of these lies and living our lives according to these lies, um, they're only going to grow. The grip is only going to grow stronger, and the control that these lies have over our lives will only increase as long as we keep them buried underneath the surface and in the dark. Right. The more we decide to push them down. And I hope that I hope for all of our listeners that that image of the beach ball is seared into your brain and seared into your heart and your soul that every time you're trying to push down or ignore and or cast aside any of these lies, that's essentially what we're doing. And the longer we do it, the more we're going to be tired, the more other areas of our life are going to begin crumbling down. And you see this actually, it's fascinating. You see this with individuals who are serious adulterers or individuals who have hidden um, some sort of relationship like this over a long haul. And it eventually kind of gets to the point where they want to be discovered. Like it's, there's just like, 
the, the pain of holding this back for this long has become so much to bear that they're like, oh, I'm just going to let it go to the surface. Oh, no, I'm going to push it back. Now. I'm going to let it go to the surface. And that's eventually how they get caught and, and how they, uh, you know, everything crumbles. And our friend Eric Geiger, right? I mean, uh, how to not ruin your life. I think we talked about that before in the podcast too. But I mean, it, there's just so many stories like that. So my advice to leaders is, is, don't and and don't necessarily let everything crash come crashing to the surface immediately but what are ways that you can actually first come to terms with hey this is what happened or this is the lie that i am dealing with and in fact um our friends at bnh publishing and and lifeway they uh they helped me get a, a bible reading plan in you version and it was really cool how how we worked together to based on the book, really put together a devotional to help people work through and pray through and, and come to scripture to, to deal with each of these lies. So maybe we can put that in the show notes, but, but part of it is we need to come before God with each of these lies and we need to say, okay, here's the thing that I have struggled with. Here's the thing that I need to deal with. And you lay it down before the foot of the cross right? You bring it to the surface between you and him, tell someone, uh, confess to others, right? You know, we read that in James five and then let Jesus show you what those next steps are to come to terms with those loose ends and, and to tie them up. That's really good, man. All right. So go buy a beach ball, <laughs> get in a pool, push and get yourself a Sharpie, push it way down, let it rise to the surface, Write your answers there, then uh, let the air out of the beach ball and burn it in a coffee can. Okay, sorry, that was like a 1990s throwback, uh, <laughs> like youth group. <laughs> youth group, yeah. Where you uh, where you write on a piece of paper and you throw it in a coffee can and burn. It. Yeah, man, dude. <laughs> and then you sing, "Refine the fire, <laughs> my heart's one desire." <laughs> All right. Um, Guys, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, do go out and and pick this up. Hey, you know, I know that a lot of you will, or at least a portion of you will listen to this and be like, okay, uh, we know that you shifted away from books and we appreciate that. We've, we've heard that from some people. Um, but I hope you understand that in us taking time to process these lies that people believe um, this has been an ongoing theme of our podcast for the last couple of years. Um, you know, Carrie's been on a, a couple of times to talk about that. Uh, and, and this book is just a really good opportunity for you to go back and investigate and process and inspect your life. Uh, leaders have no idea what's at stake um, when they don't inspect their life. And so even if you've like, oh, you know, I've, I've done this before or, uh, you know, I did that last year, take an opportunity to do it again because if there's even one insight or one revelation that comes from it uh, that draws you closer to God and makes you a better leader, then it's, it's, it's well worth it. So thank you guys so much for listening and uh, hop on over to iTunes, leave us, leave us a rating or review uh, and, and pick up this book wherever books are sold. Lifeway.com, Amazon, wherever. We don't care. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.